0: Hello and welcome to the True Blue LA podcast. I'm Jacob Birch. Eric Steven is with me. Hello. The Dodgers went 7-6 and six over the last two weeks uh, and are 93-52 and 52 and have a 17-game lead in the NL West. Their magic number is 2 for the division. You were gone on vacation last week, so I took one with you. Uh, and in the meantime, I have come down with a horrible cold, so I apologize if I uh, I seem a little more off than normal. How are you feeling?
1: Uh, Pretty good. Pretty well rested, actually. I slept in uh, <laughs> yesterday. Nice. So. Thanks, bud. Yeah, yeah glad <laughs> to rub it in. Uh, no. No. Yeah, ready to uh, get back into uh, the real
0: world. Well, we got to throw to a commercial real quick. But before we do, I want to ask you one question. How would yes. you describe the Dodgers over the last two weeks we haven't recorded?
1: Uh, one word. Better, one word. One word. Meh. Yeah,
0: frustrating <laughs> was going to be mine. So Yeah. And we're going to talk about why and and talk about if there's any... Uh, Hope to see this team get a little bit better before the playoffs after this break.
2: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is
1: more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown
2: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So we're going to talk a little
0: bit about uh, just the last two weeks in general. But specifically, as we have the last f- season, this entire season, basically, we have a Cody Bellinger pace update.
1: So for the first time in a long time, uh, Bellinger is no longer on pace for 50 home runs. He homered... Uh, Okay, so I get yeah, we've been off for two weeks. So I guess I need to do two weeks worth of updates. He went. Uh, he had a twelve game stretch where he didn't homer, and he ended that last Sunday in Arizona, the last game there. Then he homered again on Labor Day uh, on Monday, uh, and then he hasn't homered since. So right now he's at forty four home runs. There's there's uh, five players or th- there's three players with forty four home runs, um, and then uh, it's um, Bellinger, Yelich, and um, uh, Eugenio Suarez of the Reds, and then uh, Mike Trout and Pete Alonso have 45. So the major league home run lead is like a nice little race here the last three weeks. But uh, so Bellinger's at 44 home runs, uh, only two higher in Dodger history. Um, uh, Sean Green hit 49, Adrian Beltry hit 48, um, and so 117 RBIs. So I'm sorry, uh, 44 home runs, 105 RBIs. He's on pace for 49 homers. 117 ribbies, so he's he's been in that, like, 50, 120-plus range for most of the year. Uh, so he's finally a little bit off, but if he keeps on pace, he will he would tie Sean Green's record, uh, franchise record. So, but, you know, we've seen that home runs kind of tend to come in bunches, so it wouldn't be surprising if he hits, like, you know, three or four in a week or something, and then gets sort of right back on track.
0: So I said we would be talking about him specifically, but he's kind of looked— like the Dodgers over the last two weeks, like, fine, like, still in there, still productive. You know, they, they were above 500 over the last two weeks, but the losses have been, uh, the word I used, I think, frustrating, sort of reminiscent a little bit of last year. Um, certainly concerns being raised. We, we we were for, like, two weeks doing a, a Ryu update. We don't need to do that anymore. That's it's kind canceled. of been dashed. yeah. 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 Uh, so, and these are all, you know, the teams weeks away from playing for the playoffs with world series aspirations, this is not exactly what you want to see in September. We've talked, we talked about two years ago when they went on that horrible, horrible streak that it's not necessarily indicative of how you perform in the playoffs. So I don't want to overstate how concerning this is, but still you would rather see the team performing a little bit better, kind of in all areas.
1: Right. So it was like uh, when we were recording last, there was, they had just like the day before Made it impossible for them to clinch in August, but the, the fact that like that was even on the table was sort of how ridiculously good they were uh, for most of the season. So um, and then of course you know baseball has a funny way of like bringing you back to earth. Uh, you know like like Icarus we flew too close to the sun in this <laughs> scenario, and uh, so we're like well you know clearly they're gonna they're gonna just have to clinch on the home, Which home then? Yeah. right? Yeah. And so, and like this whole thing, it was funny. My brothers, uh, my brother Greg from Baltimore came visiting last week. Um, That was why I was on vacation and spent a lot of the week with him. On Friday night, the three of us, me and my other other two brothers, went to the game. It was the first game we went to uh, Dodger Stadium since game two of the 2009 NLCS. Wow. Uh, Vicente Padilla versus Pedro Martinez. A a great game. Classic. Um, And... uh, so, we like in my head, I'm thinking, man, like wow, the Dodgers could clinch with with us, us in attendance. You know, it'd be great because my brother Greg hasn't seen a game in a while there, so that that'd be great. And then like, nope, like it just uh, the the first like sort of hiccup happened when uh, the Dodgers had a four game series last uh, two, I guess two weeks ago now or a week and a half ago uh, in Arizona, and that was the one that was kind of you could you know you get two you knock off two magic numbers with one win so um you can sort of uh, get your number down very quickly uh but then they they had a three nothing lead in each of the first three games of that series and lost every one uh <laughs> like the, the that week was weird like um because so they were 3 and 4 that first week after we recorded uh San Diego and Arizona on road trip and um Like three of the uh, three of the losses were one run games, and then like they were four and two this last week. They swept Colorado. The Colorado is just absolute garbage right now. (laughs) Um, And then they lost the first two to the Giants again by one run. So like you know they're losing all the close ones, and and so that I think that makes it a little more frustrating. Plus like one of the games against the Giants was one to nothing, and then a lot of the some of the games against Arizona, you're like the offense kind of goes dark for a little bit. And you're like, oh, great, this feels like the World Series, you know, the last couple of years. So, um, so yeah, the, the, then I was like, the more I looked at it, I don't know, it was weird. Um, <laughs> like, I don't know. They, I was thinking, like, in my head before Sunday, because the Dodgers won Sunday to make it like a four and two week instead of getting swept by the Giants. Um, and I was thinking, man, like, they're not playing all that well, right? Like, but then I was looking, I'm like, then, okay, wait, they've actually won four out of six this week. That's fine, like, you know, like, generally. Mm-hmm. And then, like, uh, I know they lost the series in Arizona and stuff, and then, you know, seven and six in the East series, that's nothing. They're, like, 12 and 11 over their last 23. But then if you look, like, it was—it got to the point where people actually asked Dave Roberts last week, how does this compare to, like, 2017? We don't remember, like... They lost 11 straight. They lost 16 out of 17 in 2017. Mm-hmm. They had a huge lead, and it never mattered at all. But people were freaking out like crazy then. This is not even – and Dave Roberts said something to the effect of, like, this doesn't compare at all to 2017. He's like, it's not close. And he's right. Like, uh, this is nothing, like, compared to what they've actually went through before. So how there's real concerns. We'll get to those in a second. But, like, I don't know. It just seemed weird. So, But anyways, as they stand – uh, the earliest they can clinch is Tuesday in Baltimore. Uh, the Magic numbers two. Arizona starts a series at the Mets, a four-game series. Um, and uh, they play Monday night. So they could, if they lose, it would get go down to one, and then the Dodgers would need only a win or an Arizona loss Tuesday to clinch. So like uh, Tuesday looking good. It's funny. I know my brother for sure. He lives in Baltimore or just outside of it. And so he like we were talking about how he could see the clinch in LA. He's going to at least Wednesday's game. I don't know if he's going also to Tuesday or Thursday, but he could very well see the Dodgers clinch even though he missed it when he came out here. So <laughs> that that lucky bastard. Um, but yeah, so that, well, they're ninety three and fifty two. Um, still seven and ten to get to a hundred wins. Um, Twelve and five to match the franchise record of one hundred five wins. Uh, they got one hundred four two years ago. So. I don't know. Still in pretty good shape. Uh, I guess the one concern, like, like this all doesn't matter because they're obviously going to win the National League West no matter what. the The one concern I would have is that, like, the Braves, meanwhile, was like they they were like seventeen and two over a stretch. So like, the Dodgers had a ten game lead at one point over the Braves for the second, who had the second best record in the National League. And then that the Braves dwindled it all the way to two and a half uh, after Saturday. So that's the like. The one sort of concern, like the Dodgers are still like within a game and a half of Yankees and Astros for best overall record. But, you know, obviously that wouldn't matter until the World Series. But I I think if there's one thing that they could sort of like do well to make sure they win is that staying ahead of the Braves and get the number one seed of the NL would be good.
0: Not just for home field, but not having to hear the stupid chant. That may well, be one right. of the like it, the, Colorado, I think, would be the only other city I would imagine where I really want home field against.
1: Yeah, it's like one one fewer game in that like horrific uh, scenario or whatever. Yeah, and so like I don't know. That's so that's sort of where I'm at. Like so, I was like thinking, man, this this sounds bad. Then I was thinking, not 2017 was much worse. And but we'll see. There, like I said, real concerns. Um, but there there were other stuff uh, last week too. Uh, like Gavin Lux debuted in the interim. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and like, and remember, like, so the, all this time because we were talking about him for a while, and the main thing was like, you know, they're not going to bring him up unless he's going to play, and he, and the, you know, they weren't going to bench like Jock Peterson or Alex Verdugo for him, but then like, you know, Verdugo's been hurt, Muncy's hurt, uh, so like, it got to a point where like, well, it's September, like we could call him up, and then like he's he's started every game against righties so far. And like uh, Muncie's not back till this coming weekend at, at the earliest, so like, like he could very well like I mean he he could easily make the playoff roster right now. Whereas we knew he was coming up in September at least as like a sort of a apprentice, as we talked about before, at the at a minimum. But like all of a sudden he's playing. Um, he was three for his first seven, which is cool. He's over thirteen cents, you know, but like I said, it's only five games, so whatever. He's all he's also walked three times, so doing okay um but yeah we'll we'll see how that goes but like that was a a nice little surprise we also got our first ever will smith versus will smith matchup uh that was to end friday night's game it dodgers were down one in the ninth with a man on first two outs and then will smith got a 3-0 count against will smith but then he ended up striking out to end the game so very anticlimactic ending but uh yeah it was fun fun while it lasted
0: one last thing before we get into the real concerns is Jock Peterson had himself quite a quite a short sample size power surge.
1: Yeah, so uh you know newsflash news flash to anyone who's listened to us before, but Jock Peterson is a streaky, streaky hitter. hitter yeah. Uh yeah. <laughs> and so he, he kinda hit the the jackpot. How many, uh,
0: how many times are we gonna get why isn't Jock Peterson starting its left handers? Two two three weeks away from why is Jock Peterson still in the major leagues? Right, <laughs> yeah. Why why haven't they fired Jock Peterson in the sun like that? You know that.
1: Um, but yeah, so <laughs> he so I, I uh, this is one of those things that I forgot. It's it has been two weeks since we recorded because all this happened since the record. But he ended uh, so last Sunday the Dodgers uh, they were close to getting swept in four games. They were down in the ninth. Cody Bellinger's home run was in the ninth inning to tie the game. And then Jock Peterson hit a pinch hit home run in the was it the eleventh? I guess it was, um, and so that was his only at bat that game. Uh, and then Labor Day, he went home run, double off the wall, home run, and the home run was off the right field wall, like the short wall in right. And um, I think it was, or maybe it was, but anyway, then in the right field corner on defense, he like crashed into it like with his uh, ribs and had to come out because uh, that game then he missed the next day. So then he comes back Wednesday and then home run uh walk home run. So at that point he had he was uh, 6 for his last 6 with five home runs, a double and a walk. And that and like, double is off the top of the wall. Right, <laughs> right. So it was it was basically like like watching someone in home run derby or batting practice like just Continually hitting home. it was crazy, uh, and like so, yeah, that was nuts. Uh, he, um, I think, what uh, the Josh Hamilton was the last guy with five home runs in the six at bat stretch, and then I think that he tied the National League record for six straight at bats with an extra base hit. Larry Walker also did that, so yeah, crazy stretch. Like it was, uh, it got to the point. So Friday night, I, I had, I was looking up just in case Peterson happened to homer twice that night because no dodgers ever had three straight two homer games um so and i'll give you here's a trivia question can you name the last major leaguer to hit uh three straight two homer games no okay so i think there's been three overall and i don't remember the first two but i do specifically remember the last one uh it was 2003 and it was jeff devannon of the angels (laughs) so How could you not immediately think of that when you
0: like outside of me having actually hurt seeing someone tweet that I would have literally have never guessed that.
1: Yeah. So I was, I was hoping he would do it just so I could tweet the juicy, juicy Jeff Devan and uh, tidbit, but yeah, it was quite a, quite a week for Jock.
0: Okay. Let's get like small sample size, one run game, all of these things kind of wash out and regress to the mean. And the Dodgers have shown their mean to be really, really above average. One of the best teams in baseball. But you mentioned there are some real concerns um I, I think two big things we need to talk about are injuries and then the rock of the dodgers not just this year but it seems like almost for the history of me watching the dodgers closely they can always bank on starting pitching whether it's top flight depth or both they've always had it and it's not looked very good this last couple of weeks
1: yeah and so i as you said that i, I was imagining dwayne johnson pitching and it made me laugh so uh, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, starting pitching has been unquestionably the Dodgers' best strength. They are, like, leading the National League in home runs. And if you account for, like, designated hitter, they have have more home runs than the Twins and the Yankees. Um, So, offensively, they're really good, too. But it's starting pitching that's, like, sort of carrying this team. And the concern for me, at least, like, for now, not saying it can't rectify by the playoffs, but, like, is the big three um, of – Ryu, Kershaw, and Bueller, and it's like, what What are they going to do for the playoffs? It's like, It's more like, are they fatigued, especially in the case of Ryu, uh, who's had, like, he's um, more innings, um, the most innings, like, since his rookie year in, in Major League Baseball 2013. So uh, he's had four straight conquers in a row uh, after we recorded, because we recorded right at the Yankee series where he gave up seven runs. He gave up seven more in Arizona. And then he pitched four and a third on Wednesday against the Rockies and gave up three. Uh, he uh, he has allowed 21 runs and five home runs in his last four starts. That's 19 innings. He had allowed 20 runs and four home runs in his previous 17 starts, uh, 115 in a third inning. So um, he's getting skipped this week. Uh, we talked about that being a possibility. It's finally happening. Uh, so I think it's a matter of, like, He needs to sort of get right, and and hopefully, he's not like just completely gassed by the time the playoffs roll out because if they don't have him for the playoffs, that really they're kind of in trouble. Um, Kershaw, you know, a little bit, it's not so much as he gassed, he might be, but like um, he had gone 23 straight starts, going six innings to start the year, and then uh, two straight without it, he lasted five innings um, in Arizona. And then uh four innings on Friday against the Giants. He got he started the fifth, allowed two rip batters to reach base and was pulled because he I think he was at like ninety-nine pitches. But it wasn't like strictly like a pitch count pull. It was more like, man, like the, the Giants fouled off thirty-two balls against Kershaw that night. Like it was insane. Like he struck out six, so he wasn't like completely getting like, you know, unable to like miss bats, but it was like, man. They just kept frustrating him and fouling off uh, pitches. And, like, he was really laboring out there. He was so mad, like, when he got pulled that, like, he kicked the cooler on the bench. And, like, it looked like he, like, banged his ankle or, or like, leg against the um, the bench. So it was it was sort of a funny gif. And, they you know, they kind of downplayed it after the game. But we'll see. I don't know. He has nine home runs in his last four starts. Um, he had allowed two home runs in his previous seven. So he had a little bit of a good run. So there's a little bit of concern there. Um, Walker Bueller, he allowed six runs to the Rockies on Labor Day, who, the aforementioned like terrible team. Um, in nine starts since the All Star break, um, he's allowed five plus runs in four of them. Uh, he has a 7.52 ERA in those, and that's a lot. It could be a lot higher, except for a bunch of under and runs, but. Uh, in his other five starts he's allowed one total run so we talked about him being having the most variance on the staff and i think that still holds true um he could be like ridiculously great or just completely off um, and you just don't know what you're going to get um so like that's a concern like the other thing is like right now they're in that they're are they're in september again so they have some um expanded rosters Urius is back hills coming back this week um they're at a point where they can have a bunch of three to four inning guys and they're just kind of uh, maneuvering them around. Like Maeda's back in the bullpen now, like he always is about this time of year. Um, so even factoring that in, the Dodgers aren't getting like the the longer starts like they used to. They're they're fourth in the majors in innings per start this year. They've been doing relatively well there. But it's 11 straight games now without going a starter going six innings. Um they were uh their fourth in the majors, like you said, innings per start. It's a little over it's almost basically five and two thirds. They're first in starters ERA, it's three fifteen. Um, but before the All-Star break, it was three oh six ERA. They were averaging five point eight um five point eight three innings per start. Since the All-Star break, it's down to five point three one. And their ERA is three thirty-three. It's relatively worse. Like if that's not like if they if you would have told me they have a three thirty three ERA, that's fine. Like you, you can live with that. But since like that Kershaw game in Miami where he struck out the first seven um, and he pitched like seven scoreless innings, the Dodgers starters in the last 23 games have a 499 ERA and they're averaging 4.78 innings per start. Again, a lot of that is some of these like planned sort of semi-bullpen games where Stripling will go three, Urias will go two or three, and then they just have people follow him. But you still, like you should be able to like pick up the pace in the other games. Um And just to sort of drive home the big three this year, um, the Dodgers are 53 and 24 when Ryu, Kershaw, or Bueller start. Uh, That's 112 win pace. They're 39 and 28 when everyone else starts. That's also good. That's a 94 win pace, which is kind of amazing for like the back half of your staff. But like just they're like that much better when those three are starting. And if those three aren't effective, it's it's going to be a problem. So I think they just need to be sort of healthy and rested um in the playoffs we'll see if the time off helps for you you'd think that it would but like that's that's the real concern for me like heading into october
0: especially if the offense at all like this like has a bad streak at all as they have had both two world series two years ago and kind of most of the playoffs last year is when you're starting pitching this shaky, you can't afford that anymore
1: yep absolutely
0: So we're going to take a little bit of an ad break take care of some business and we're going to come back and talk about injuries
2: hello
1: it is ryan
2: and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing chumba casino coincidence i think not everybody's loving having fun with it chumba casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere
0: What do they call the little pizza cutter thing that doctors wear? What what is that called? You know when they oh. wear it on their head.
1: Oh man, the it looks yeah man, that's a good question. Uh, Dodger. I,
0: doctor, doctor.
1: Right when you said pizza, like, I was thinking, <laughs> I, ju- I just bought a pizza cutter and I'm like I'm staring at it on my kitchen counter right now. Uh, but like that's the thing. Um, uh, it it looks like because it's like attached to like a cold compress or something. Mm-hmm. Is that what it is?
0: Maybe. Yeah. To, I'll look this up while you talk to me about uh, how okay. the Do- how the Dodgers injury woes are going
1: okay so Rich Hill is the biggest name here I think uh, there's really two big names uh, Rich Hill um, he has <clears throat> uh, man he hasn't pitched since June um, so he's gonna start Thursday in Baltimore and I guess depending on how it goes he's either gonna get three. Maybe four starts, but they're going to be like abbreviated. I don't, I would imagine he's only going like three innings on Thursday and then maybe four, maybe five. But like we talked about this a lot. Like if he's okay, um, he had like the PRP injection in his elbow, one of those like avoiding Tommy John, see if it works. It's it a spotty history of that. Like you just really don't know, um, if it's going to work or not. So you know, he may not end up being effective at all, but if he is anything close to effective that like gives them sort of more definition and how, how we've sort of approached this, who's starting game four for them in a playoff series. And it sort of, it sort of stabilizes that a little bit, but like to me, he's just part of this like series of like multi-inning guys they have, uh, who can all go three, four innings as needed. So like you have Hill, you have Julio Urias, Kenta Maeda, like last week, Kenta Maeda had a four inning save and then he pitched four scoreless innings of relief on Sunday. Uh, And I still think he's going to be, like, a setup guy, too, especially against righties. But you have Urias, Maeda Hill, Ross Stripling, Tony Gonsolin, maybe Dustin May, maybe only one of those two rookies make it. But that's at least five guys who can go, like, at least three innings. And I think they're going to do a lot of mixing and matching. Um, So we'll see how that sort of plays out. But, um, yeah, that's exciting that Rich Hill is going to be back. Uh, So making at least three starts, I would imagine. Uh, The other big name is Max Muncie, who had the uh, wrist fracture. He got hit by pitch uh, also since our last record. It was in San Diego. um, And it was like he technically has a fracture in his wrist, and it's basically the same thing that Chris Taylor had. And Chris Taylor, like, missed 31 games. They said it's maybe not as severe. We'll see. But now the word is he's going to be back. Muncie is uh, next weekend in New York. Um, So that would put him at, like, uh under three weeks in returning you know basically a little over two which is pretty good um we'll see how how that goes but like if like you add him back to the lineup that makes him much more dynamic um than you know what it what they previously had so um that's those are like the two big ones the other one who's like the wild card is alex verdugo He's had lower back soreness. He last played with the Dodgers on August 4th. He was going to go to Ogden, or the weird like uh rehabbing and rookie ball thing. Uh, and like he was going to help them in their playoff run, but then like he started to and then he had a setback so they shut him down. Um I think Dave Roberts called it uh he was stagnant in his rehab, so he's not going to be back before at least the next home stand, which is next week and that's the sec- that's the second to last week of the regular season, so he's kind of running out of time now. I mean, there's still time for him to come back, but like the more you look at it, like Alex Verdugo was like a lock for the postseason roster. And now it's like it, this sort of, he's an Avenue where like Gavin Lux could take a spot. Um, if ever, especially if Verdugo is not ready, you know, uh, on the postseason roster. Uh, the other thing that was sort of, that sort of cracked up, uh, is Joe Kelly. Uh, he's been one of their best relievers for the last like three plus months. Um, he had like a, a, I think it was a lower leg thing. They were really vague about it. He didn't pitch for almost a week until he got into a game on Saturday. And it was like, hey, why hasn't Joe Kelly pitched all week? And then that's when Dave Roberts sort of mentioned it. Um, so, yeah, though that's going to be kind of it. So, with Hill and Muncie this week getting activated, um, we're going to be at 34 players. Uh, and then we, the Dodgers, we, we talked about this where Dave Roberts said, we don't want to have too crowded of a clubhouse. Um so we're not we're not going to go too heavy but it's still going to be 34 and if Verdugo goes back it's 35. So it's it's almost impossible to avoid uh, like a large roster at this point. They said they're not going to they did, weren't going to call up um, Edwin Rios and Kyle Garlic and then like Jamie Schultz and Kyber Ruiz are, is hurt so he's not going to get called up. So uh and then Dennis Santana also um so yeah, you know, some several guys aren't getting called up but that's sort of where they're at right now. Um but, yeah, I, I imagine what we'll probably do uh, one of our next two episodes is going to be, like, uh, narrowing down who's going to be on the playoff roster. This like, may be one of
0: the hardest hardest jobs we've had to do. There's so we'll many, see. like, little dif- different possibilities on the last I, three or so slots, I think.
1: I think especially we, we need to see, like, one or two Hill outings exactly. to see sort of where he's at. Like Because then that really, like, sets the tone for, like, the rest of the staff. And also, if Dustin May, he he got hit on the side of the head. I forgot about that. Uh, since our last record, he's pitched since then, um, didn't have a concussion, um, seems to be doing okay. So we'll see how how he does as well. Well, are you ready
0: for some questions?
1: Absolutely.
0: Before we get to questions from Craig, we have one question. I get one and a half questions from Sissy Tran. When was the last time the Dodgers executed a triple play at Dodger stadium? And, uh, she wants us to guess what the next one will be.
1: Okay, so I, I didn't do a Dodge rewind this week. I was on this vacation is our Dodgers last rewind. week. The triple so yeah, this, play. <laughs> this is going to serve as our Dodgers rewind. Um, the the last one at Dodger Stadium, I was in attendance for. Um, it was April fifteenth, two thousand twelve. That was actually my first season like covering the Dodgers full time, and that was the year I like jumped in with both feet. I went to spring training like the entire spring training that year for the first time, and like so, this was like the first like two weeks of the season. Uh, I was, like, just getting my feet wet at the full-time thing. And the, it was a 4-4 game in the ninth inning. Um, Jesus Guzman was batting for the Padres. Uh, Chase Headley was on first. Yonder Alonso was on second. Ha- then closer, Javi Guerra was on the mound. Uh, Kenny Jensen on the team, not closing. Um, but uh, so there's no outs in the ninth. This is a very tough situation for Javi Guerra. And uh, Jesus Guzman tried to bunt, bunt, and then, like, uh, Guerra went way up and in, and, like, I I don't remember if he broke his bat or not, but, like, it was, like, up in his kitchen. And, um, like, everybody basically stopped uh, as the, like, ball hit his bat. And what had happened was the ball hit foul first, but it didn't hit anybody. It just hit the ground and then rolled, like, slowly in front of the plate. But, like, everyone had, like, stopped because they were, like, either thought it was foul or, like, or something, but it turns out it was a fair ball. AJ Ellis was alert as hell, um, from behind the plate. So he threw to, uh, threw to the third. And then, uh, it ended up being a two, five, six, three triple play. <laughs> like that is a hard one to do. You basically have to have everyone stop, including the batter, especially because if he's not running to first, like that's, that's your, your easiest way to turn a triple play in that situation. I looked up what I wrote about it that day. Um, this is Don Mattingly. Um, Javi was trying to pop him up, uh, pop him up there, um, up and in, and breaks his bat, and the ball just kind of rolls out and real uh, in front. At that point, everybody just assumed the ball was foul, but it's laying there in fair territory. AJ really heads up on that play. Good for us. <laughs> so um, so there, I was looking up a couple things about that game. That was the season. Uh, Vince Scully had a cold at the beginning of the year, and he missed like the first five home games. I think he had called like a road series in San Diego or something, um, but didn't do the home opener, and everyone was kind of freaking out as you know what they were want to do with that. And uh, I, the quote, the that Sunday was Vince Gillies first game back, and he said earlier he he addressed reporters earlier in the before the game he said the doctor told me I was uh, one click away from pneumonia, so I was like damn all right that was huge. The 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 sale from Frank McCourt to the Guggenheim Partners was still like two weeks away from being finalized. So technically, they were under Frank McCourt ownership when this happened. Uh, the Dodgers ended up winning that game, and then uh, in the bottom of the ninth, uh, D Gordon had a walk off in the ninth. It was a two out single that scored uh, Juan Rivera. Just to give you an idea of what kind of <laughs> team the Dodgers had that year, uh, they started nine and one. That was that made them nine and one. That that win, uh, they were thirty and thirteen to start two thousand twelve. Like uh, that, w- uh, uh, Matt Kemp, who was coming off his like. Would be MVP campaign. Um, he was like even hotter to start 2012, but then he um, you know, he started getting the hamstring stuff, um, and then it sort of all went downhill from there. But like 30 and 13 in 2012, that's that was their best start since 1983. And in, in these two sort of juggernaut years that they've had since then, uh, 2017 and this year, they did not start even close to that well. Um, they ended up finishing up 86 and 76, though, and uh, two games out of playoff spot. So that was the last uh, triple play at Dunshay. As far as the next one, I don't know. I'm thinking it, it's going to be like, um, I think it's going to be something weird, like where either like the batter trips out of the play, out of the box, but like I'm going to say it's a it's a quick comebacker to Dustin May. So there's bases loaded, nobody out. So his first instinct is to go home. So it go. It's going to go Dustin May to Will Smith. Uh, Will Smith to Gavin Lux at second, because everyone's confused. So like, uh, there's time to get the runner at second, and then Gavin Lux to uh, Max Muncy at first.
0: I we were talking before we went on the air, uh, real quick before my prediction. I uh, I'm going to ask you to put these in the show notes. Uh, I have seen one triple play live, and it's a weird one. I don't even know how to describe it. Uh, it ends up with two Blue Jays on third base. So I went to a, okay. a game in Seattle against the Blue Jays uh, for my honeymoon, actually. Uh, so, but there's a, a video to it, and it's best best to watch then explain. And the next one is going to be a strike them out, throw them out, throw them out, um, which I don't think has happened in the majors. But I did some googling as ha- and has happened at the uh, collegiate level and I think Triple A level. So, oh nice.
1: Wait, just to just to be sure, who did you go on your honeymoon with?
0: <laughs> uh, M- M- Melissa, who I'm oh, married okay. to. My wife. All right. <laughs> so. I know. I know what you wanted, Eric, and I wasn't going to give in. All right. You ready for the uh, the segment that we have a sound clip for now? Yay. It's time for...
1: Questions from Craig.
0: Still in love with it. I love it. First question. As of this writing, we don't know why the Red Sox and former President Dave Dabrowski have parted ways. But it's been suggested that the aggressive trades for Chris Sale and Craig Kimball may have played a factor. My question is, if you are not supposed to make these type of trades, what's the point of having the job?
1: Yeah, so I I don't think that's why they're firing Dombrowski. Like, if they knew what they were getting in Dombrowski. Like, they had built up the farm system under Ben Sherrington. And, like, they knew when they, when they hired Dombrowski that he was going to trade a bunch of prospects and get players. And that's what they did. They won three straight division titles, and then they were, like, the best best year in franchise history last year, won a World Series. And then they fired them last night because they're not going to make the playoffs this year. I think it has more to do with um, the ex- he gave extension, an extension to Chris Sale uh, this year, uh, five years, 145. Um, that's for 2020, 2024. And Sale went out and had, like, by far his worst season ever. Um, and so that's a problem. Um, and then he gave uh Nathan Ivaldi, who has like an injury history longer than anybody whose like right arm is held together by like duct tape and bailing wire. He gave him sixty eight million over four years because he was hot for two months and he had a nice uh playoff run um that was the that was the fourth highest contract given this winter uh 68 million and 80 of all the give you an idea of how dead of the dead the market was and so i think those are the reasons why um so the weird thing about this is like i've seen a lot of some of the speculation out of boston is that like the the red sox are now because of those deals uh in less of a um uh like they they have less of a chance to to retain both mookie betts who's a free agent after 2020. And J.D. Martinez, he has three years left. He could also opt out after this year. So, like, that's that's dumb. First of all, like, I think what this this shows is like how much ownership now. Like, you have to make a profit. Like, they're up against the they're over the luxury tax this year. The Red Sox, they're they're going to be close to it, if not over, the next two years based on the commitments they already have. Um, so. I think the point is, if the ownership is going to pay the luxury tax, you have to win. And like they're not making the playoffs this year, so like that's that's a problem. And I think that's why you got fired. The thing I didn't like about it is that the the Red Sox like the news came out late Sunday night to the point where Alex Cora and some players had to answer questions post game because they had the Sunday night game against the Yankees, and then they announced the move officially this morning and then said we're not having a press conference, and that. That's like a that's a horseshit move for an organization. Like you have like put the team president out there, put the owners out there. They they're the ones who made this call. Make them answer questions. Don't don't have like the players and the manager answer questions for stuff they didn't choose. Like that's bullshit. So this is on the Red Sox. Like that's that's terrible. I don't know how this happened. Like eleven months after they won the World Series. Like I don't know. It's just odd. Uh, But I think it's that. You know, the the CBT, the luxury cap, the tax, luxury tax or whatever is a huge thing in the sport today. And the owners don't really want to pay that. Uh, I'm sure they've seen like the Yankees and the Dodgers, like they they built like successful uh, organizations with like thriving farm systems and healthy major league teams, but also staying under the tax the last two years. So uh, Red Sox farm system isn't highly ranked at all. So I think they, they want the best of both worlds, and I think they weren't going to get that with Dombrowski. The timing of it kind of sucks, but like I, I, that's sort of why they did it.
0: Second question. Chris Taylor has seven steals without having been caught. Who are the only four Dodgers to have more stolen bases with a perfect su- success rate? We've done a Dodger rewind on Jimmy <coughs> Carroll, the leader in this category. Yep. Uh, which I wonder, I wonder how quickly we would have gotten to that had you not done a, uh, a rewind on him.
1: Mm, I wouldn't have push. gotten
0: the two. That's sure. But can you yeah. name the other three? And I have a hint if you need it.
1: Yeah, I, I can't. I mean, I know, I remember looking this up when I uh, found for Jamie Carroll. Um, I would say. I don't. I don't remember what the other people were like at the 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 top. I want to say like. Was did Eric Caros have a weird year?
0: You were correct, Eric Caros. Oh, each uh, had eight stolen bases without being caught.
1: In oh 19- wow! Okay. 96. So because I always with stolen bases, with Eric Caros, I always remember when he tried to steal home against Joey Hamilton in San Diego. He's like, oh, I just thought I could catch him off guard, and he was out by like a mile. <laughs> but so like I never equate him with like stolen base success. But for some reason, I thought he had like a sneaky good year. So that that's like the only guess. I I don't know who the other two are. Not uh, at all.
0: Matt Kemp had nine with zero caught in 2013. Nice. And then Greg Brock had eight in 1984.
1: Wow. Classic. All right. That's good.
0: It's really good. I don't have the trivia question this week because I am two. not. My brain would just. <laughs> yeah.
1: But <laughs> two Kirk's first basemen on there. That's, that's kind of amazing.
0: Yeah. That, that was his hint is that two were played a position not associated with stolen bases. Carlos Correa and Corey Seager have good seasons, but each have not produced like they had in earlier years. Correa's issue is really health; he has not come close to playing a full season since two thousand sixteen. While well, Seager has played most of this season, but his numbers are lower than in both two thousand sixteen and two thousand seventeen. Where do you see them going forward, and what do you think they'll earn in twenty twenty?
1: I don't. I have no idea about Correa. I haven't paid attention to the Astros. Yeah, me um <clears throat> I would say with Seager, like. He's had a weird year in that like he hit like he was basically like a three hundred hitter though is when he first came up for the first couple of years. This year he's only in two sixty one, so he he lost a little bit of speed. Um so like I, I could see where like that part of his game is probably diminished. Um and he's also, you know, he had the hamstring thing, uh, where he, he missed like a month. Um that said, he's about to hit 40 doubles again, and he's up to 14 home runs, so maybe not as much home run power as he had, although if you if you put it over a full season, he probably would have got to 20 pretty easily. Uh, so the power for me is there. Um, uh, I think there's a chance, like, the further he gets removed from his lo- sort of lost season, like, he could probably raise the batting average a little bit, and the power. if the power is still there, he's going to be just fine uh so what he earned four million dollars in his first R.B. year i don't really know like i would imagine he's since he's gonna uh he'll, he'll probably be at least seven or eight uh for next year but like honestly I, I, I haven't really paid much attention to it
0: and i think going forward next year is just going to be so key you, you see players all the time mention that spending a winter and a spring where your entire focus is to get healthy from an injury or a surgery is so entirely different than I'm healthy. I'm just trying to get good, good for the year. And I think when he has a real off season, that's just focused on being the best he can be and not r- super concerned with injuries. Uh, we could see a really big resurgence next year, but it's also possible. Like you said, that he's actually just lost something that's not going to come back uh, to the way it was when he you know was in 2016, 2017. So, um, Jury's out. I'm optimistic, though, for sure. Yep. Fourth question. The one defensive position that has not hit a home run this season for the Dodgers is designated hitter. This includes both pinch hitters and pitchers. Historically, Dodger designated hitters do not hit home runs, but they get to play at Camden Yards for three games. Camden Yards, excuse me. Will we see a designated hit one in the next series, and who will that player be?
1: So uh, I didn't see anything over the weekend about Roberts talking about who's going to DH, like if they're going to give, you know, you figure like Justin Turner ends up DHing one of those games probably, but I will note they were they are facing two lefties in the the last two games in Baltimore, uh, so that means it's David Freeze time, and so I think David Freeze will start one of the games at DH and he will hit a home run. Okay. Uh, so, so he'll he'll uh, he'll knock that uh, zero off the board.
0: I was figuring that Freeze may actually start uh, at first one of these games, and that on they'll give Will Smith a day off catching, but play him in designated a hitter, and he will hit that home run.
1: Yeah, I could I would say that like right since it's September they have more hitters, and like Smith has been relatively slumping, so I think if they get a day off, they just give him a day off.
0: I I, I hear you. I'm 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 feeling it though, Eric. All right.
1: Yeah, look, I as as we know, you're the uh, designated <laughs> home run predictor on this podcast, so I defer to you.
0: Last question. Getting together with family often includes food. And in uh, Craig's case, a lot of times that means going to a Japanese restaurant in West L.A. or the South Bay. Are there any particular foods or restaurants that your families tend to go to when you all gather together?
1: Um, so this is interesting. We, we had um, my brother, Greg, came out. So we had a big family get together uh, this over on Saturday um, at my other brother's house. Kelly and your Melinda and like so we we had a, a rare occasion where all five siblings took a photo together. Uh, we had this a couple of years ago at um, uh, my brother Kelly's daughter her wedding in San Diego. All five of us were together, but we forgot to take a picture. So like this was our first actual picture in like at least twenty years together because Greg's been out in Baltimore. So we haven't had a lot of situations where all five of us are together, uh, or that we've remembered to take a picture at least. So we got that out of the way. Uh, I will say this, our go-to now for family get togethers is usually it's almost always at a house. Like, mm-hmm. uh, so we're not necessarily going out. The go-to that used to be was, uh, we would meet a lot, um, at, for brunch at El Torito. Um, uh, or something like that but El Torito was a huge go-to for us uh specifically either um the one in your Belinda or the one in san Bernardino depending on like the year but yeah the, that was a huge go-to for us forever but this is like 20 30 years ago like and but like for a good like decade we would meet there a lot um but yeah for the most part it's like either like everyone brings something or whoever's hosting like Ends up uh, uh, making a lot of the food, but yeah, it's it's uh, uh, it's a lot of like um, just make stuff and bring it and just enjoy it at the house instead of uh, going out.
0: We run the gamut because it really depends on where is the meeting occurring. If I'm yeah. back in my home um, in Santa Clarita, it's usually some chain restaurant because that's what Santa Clarita does well. Right, um, Chili's is where we went would go every Monday when I was a kid because my um, mom had choir practice. Uh, we had to do go do something and uh, it was you know open it was around they had monday night football food special so it's a cheap place to take us and that sort of built a nostalgia uh, around that but if we're in somewhere else whether people are visiting me in kansas city or um, especially if we're in arizona for spring training. Well, we'll usually do one big cookout meal at whatever Airbnb we're staying at. And then I yeah. will usually sort of peruse food blogs and stuff like that and try to like find a, not too fancy, not too expensive, but still really high quality kind of foodie ordean restaurant to, to go to. So I don't think, yeah, we don't have a ton of commonality, but uh, good food is definitely had for sure.
1: There's one more, uh, with what, with my uncle and a couple of cousins, um, we uh, like it's a lot of nostalgia too, but it's Clearman's Northwoods. Um, um, though it's the restaurant with this like the fake snow on the roof. Um, but they have like it's mostly like steak and like uh chicken and other stuff, but then like every they have like the cheese toast, every meal comes with a salad and like usually like a baked potato where you can mix and match other stuff, but they also have the uh their big thing is like um the red cabbage salad. And it's really good. Uh, and like that has a nice little nostalgia feel. So we go there eh, not too often, maybe once a year, but like that's a nice little place we like to go to. No, well,
0: <laughs> because I'm feeling so well, this is I think the first food question, I'm not feeling super hungry, which is strange because I'm, I'm thinking of mm. all these really great previous meal I've had and all I want is my bed. So I think I'm gonna go do that.
1: Nice. Well, enjoy uh, whatever meal you're going to have this evening, uh, whenever you're listening to this. And uh, hopefully you're well fed by the time we uh, see you next week.